Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. You know, in our daily walk with God, each of us tends to follow a schedule, a normal routine, and most of us have also experienced a difficult day, a day when there's a bump in the road, a twist, a turn to what is we consider normal, if, if in fact there is normal, but it's our schedule, right? And all of a sudden we receive news or information that we were not expecting to hear. Maybe an example of a bad news day jumps into the front of your mind right now as I'm talking and saying this. And sometimes when that happens, all you have to do is make a slight adjustment to the schedule. But then there are those big ones that really rock your world. And Walt and I remember one of those days in our life. I met with my doctor in the afternoon for a follow-up appointment. And as I sat there, she looked at me and she said, you have cancer. You have a type of leukemia. It's a chronic leukemia, but we have to send you to an oncologist with a specialty in hematology. And all of a sudden, my mind was just spinning. I felt numb. I just couldn't really grasp all of what those words were that she was saying to me. But I knew I needed to get home. I knew Walt was at home and we only lived a few blocks from the doctor's office. But I remember getting in the car and actually saying, Lord, I need you to help me get home. I need you to help me pay attention to the traffic, to remember to stop at a red light and go at a red light. And all of a sudden, I needed wisdom. I needed guidance. I needed strength. You know, King David provides a wonderful example for us in Psalm 30, verse 10. Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. And you know, just like that was a big news, bad news day for me, we're all in a life journey, aren't we? And we never know for sure what a day will hold. Well, God's word is filled with the journeys of people, real people. And there is much wisdom and insight that we are able to glean from their stories. And, you know, Brenda, even as you're talking about that, it just it takes me back. And we, we've been discussing this today, just to that day. I mean, there was, it was so, there was so much uncertainty and we didn't know what was going to happen. And now years later, we can look back, but, but, um, we need guidance in the midst of those kinds of days, and and we get it from God's Word. And, and today, we're going to move from the book of Genesis to the book of Exodus. We're going to take a closer look at the man Moses, after we've just spent a number of weeks with Joseph. But the framework for Moses' life can actually be found in the New Testament, which is kind of amazing. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen is making a speech defending um, the idea of trusting in Jesus Christ. And he says this, he's going he's gonna to build a case, but he spends a lot of his time on Moses. And he says, but as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose a king 
over Egypt who did not know Joseph. At that time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight, and he was brought up for three months in his father's house, and when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. And even as I read that and, and summarize those verses, um, it tells us that we, we've gone from a story where Joseph is sold into slavery and heads to Egypt, and he's there 13 years as a slave and a prisoner then as a slave. And then he's called before Pharaoh. He interprets two troubling dreams, and he was promoted to second in command, second only to Pharaoh. And he acted as a wise leader. Joseph prepared Egypt for a great famine. And his ten brothers arrived, those that had sold him into slavery, to purchase grain. And the story unfolds, and Joseph reveals his identity to his brothers. And he makes provision for them and for his father Jacob and for the entire family, and they come to the land of Goshen. And as we get to this part of the story, we're saying there's 70 people. Now we're years later, and they come to Egypt under Moses' leadership. They get ready to leave Egypt. Under Joseph, they come, and under Moses, they leave. And, and there's a new pharaoh in, in Egypt. He's cruel, and he's harsh. And now I'm going now to Exodus chapter 1, verse 8 and following. Now there arose a new king in, in Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel, so they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves. Um, the people of Israel have increased greatly, and Pharaoh is fearful of them. What if they rise up and unite with our enemies and defeat us in battle? He must control them, and so they become slaves with harsh taskmasters. Well, Pharaoh does deal harshly with the people, even as Walt has shared this this new Pharaoh who did not know Joseph, did not know what that time frame, those 14 years, seven years of good, seven years of famine, what did it look like? And he deals harshly with his his with the people of Israel. But God is faithful, isn't he? He is sovereign and he's faithful. And even through that time of harsh taskmasters being put under slavery, God bless them. Exodus one twelve tells us, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, the more they spread abroad. In fact, going on in Exodus one fifteen, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, when you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them giving birth, if it's a son, kill him. If it's a daughter, she shall live. In 17, beautiful words, the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the male children live. Well, they got called in. They got called in before Pharaoh and they had to answer, what have you done? Why, why are you doing this? You are, should not let the male children live. And they said, because the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They're vigorous. And when they give birth, They've already delivered their baby before the midwife arrives. And so God dwelt well with the midwives. They were following in God's desire for the sons to live as well as the daughters to live. People multiplied. They grew strong. 
these midwives continued to fear God, and he blessed them with their families. And then Pharaoh commanded, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you'll cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. You know, it reminds me, what a harsh time to live in, to be fearful um, as a woman you're pregnant, you're excited for this baby, this new one to arrive into your family. And yet you are fearful. If it's a boy, he'll be taken from you and thrown into the Nile River. But when we face hard days, when we have situations where we fear, feel, we feel fearful, if I can get that out yeah, there. Good job. But we're fearful on those days, or all of a sudden we're, we're having to wait for a diagnosis, or we get a knock on the door and it's a very bad report. We don't know what a day holds, but we need to look for God's hand of blessing, for his faithfulness in our lives. Where is he extending peace, joy? There are good gifts around us that will encourage our hearts and bring praise to our lips. You know, I don't want to get so caught up in the daily routine, nor so bogged down in the struggles of life's journey that I miss God's good gifts. And that particular day when I had sat in a doctor's office and she said, you have cancer, you have leukemia. Yes, I was stunned. That word cancer rang in my ears. But God's good gift on that afternoon as I drove home, Walt was at the at our townhouse in Chicago, and there were two friends there working on some repairs and doing some cleaning projects at our townhouse. And when I walked in, the three of them looked at my face and they knew something was wrong. But our friend Rob and Chris had just previously walked through our friend Chris's struggle with breast cancer. And so here was a couple who were understanding and extended sincere compassion when I shared what the doctor had just told me at that appointment. Yeah, and and even as you're telling that, what a good gift they were to us. I mean, they just loved us and and cried with us and, and helped us begin the process of just grasping hold of this. Well, now um, we've talked about Pharaoh seeking to destroy the Hebrew baby boys to throw them into the Nile, and now we get to the story of Moses. Um, This is found in Exodus 2, verses 1 to 9, and and it says in the beginning that we need to know that Moses, both his parents were from the the house of Levi. Um, The mom conceives and, and bears Moses and said he was a fine child and hid him for three months, and we know that from the Stephen speech earlier. But then when she could hide him no longer, they made a basket of bulrushes. Really, they made him like a little boat, and they covered it with, with pitch, put the child in it. His sister is standing at a distance. What's going to happen? And then the daughter of Pharaoh comes down to bathe, and, and young women with her, and she sees the basket, tells the women, what's in it? And they say, it's a child. Behold, the baby was crying. And she took pity on the baby and said, 
This is one of the Hebrew children. And then she names, goes ahead and says, she says, um, go, so that the, the daughter that's standing there, Moses' sister, the daughter of Moses' mom and dad, she, she says, comes to her and says, hey, listen, um, do you need a nurse from the Hebrew woman, a wet nurse for this child? And then, and Pharaoh's daughter says, yes. And so she says, well, I, I know a gal. I know a gal who, who could be the wet nurse. And so in this case, um, this, the child is, goes to the nurse, which is his mother, his birth mother. And, and Pharaoh's daughter said, I'm going to give you wages for this. So the, the significance of, of this is, is even in the midst of almost deadly circumstances, God has a plan and God is protecting and God is even providing um, both a nurse for Moses, his mom, but also wages for the, their family. Um, and when the child grows older, she, she brings him to Pharaoh, Moses's mother brings him to Pharaoh, and he became her son. And she named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. And names, we've said this before, are really important. Moses' names is, I drew him out, out of the water. And water was to become an important aspect of the journey of Moses. There's water here at the Nile in his birth. Uh, when, when he comes back to confront Pharaoh, they're by the Nile River. Um, later, as they seek to escape Egypt, there's the Red Sea that parts for them, and then Pharaoh's army is destroyed. And then one of the harder stories, the water at the rock, both times. And, and at this time Moses was born, Acts 7 says, he was beautiful in God's sight, that Pharaoh's daughter adopted him, and Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And we just need to say a word. He's beautiful in God's sight. That's great. He's adopted by Pharaoh, so he's famous, he's rich, and he's raised as Pharaoh's daughter's son. And then he's instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And we were trying to think, what would be the equivalent in the world today? And, and I think the equivalent would be Moses studied at West Point, and Cambridge, and MIT, and Oxford, and Stanford. I mean, Moses has went to and received the very best education in, in leadership and in military training. Yeah, and it, you know, as you share that, well, it, it just reminds me, again, a word that keeps coming back today is faithful, that God is faithful, um, that God is sovereign. Um, we know that he has a plan and he is working that plan uh, as as people make choices, as Pharaoh decides to be a harsh ruler and to be uh, very difficult. Well, we see now Pharaoh um, has allowed Moses to be in his home as the son of, his, of Pharaoh's daughter. And as we come to Pharaoh raising this young man, he gives him the best education. And so in Acts 7, continuing in verse 23 to 29, Moses is now 40 years old, and he goes out to visit his brothers, the children of Israel, the Hebrews, knowing that they're in slavery, they're in bondage, and he sees one of them being wronged, and he defends this man, and he avenges him by striking down the Egyptian. And we know that as that happened, he actually buried him in the sand. Exodus 2 tells us this. And the next day, 
Moses returns, and there are two Hebrews having a squabble with each other, and Moses steps in. He wants to cause them to stop struggling. Um, And at that point, the man who was in the wrong, the Hebrew man in the wrong says, "Um, who do you think you are? Are you a prince? Are you a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And then Moses was afraid. And he thought, surely this thing is known. And in Exodus 2.15, yes, word reached the ears of Pharaoh. He heard of it, and he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh, and he stayed in the land of Midian. The next day, Moses was confronted by the Hebrews. He was challenged. Moses thought, that he was here to lead the people and to take them out of bondage. But God had yet another chapter in Moses' life. And yeah, Moses, I love that question. Who made you a prince or a judge over us? Well, what we're going to find out is God did, (laughs) that that Moses is selected by God. He's trained in Pharaoh's courts. He has all this knowledge. He has all this training. He has all this experience. But God's not done. There's more there. And Moses thought his brothers, the children of Israel, would understand that God was going to give them salvation by his hand, but not quite yet. In Acts um, 7.25, it says, he supposed that his brothers would understand that God would give them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand, not yet. And it says Moses looked this way and that before he killed the Egyptian to avenge something. And, and, and vengeance, avenging, always involves emotion, usually um, anger. And here's a, a point to stop and, and, and have a head-to-heart um, anger isn't reserved just for men. Men and women get angry. But it is a major issue in the lives of many men. And, and the anger and the wrath can be so destructive. And, and how is it expressed? And what do you do with it? Um, some people try to stuff it in, but it'll eventually boil over. But others people explode and, and bring harms to others and yourself. A, a good example of that is road rage. A road rage in the last 10 years has increased over 500%, and it's driven by young men. And that reminds us, we need to go to the Lord. We need to ask Him to help with our anger and have productive and, and, and good ways to deal with our, our anger. We need to be willing to be angry, but not sin. That's what the Scriptures teach. Right. And it, it reminds me of a quote that says, life is like photography. You use the negative to develop the positive. And if you take that concept and you realize, you know, Jesus was angry, but he sinned not, just as you said, right? He, right. he demonstrated a righteous anger. And so how do we take that emotion that can be so harmful and hurt so many people, that negative, and how do we make it a positive? Well, one way is yielding that back to the Lord. Another way is taking time to mature. Moses' life journey, he had 40 years in the courts of Pharaoh. Pharaoh ordered the death of the male Hebrew babies. Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He received extensive training, as it were. We joke today about the Royal Egyptian Academy. It was academic training. It was military. It was leadership all important things that Moses would need sometime in his life journey. 
But then his journey takes him to the land of Midian. In fact, Moses fled from the hand of Pharaoh, but God had a sovereign plan. God was showing his faithfulness to Moses, even though he had strayed, he had hit a turn, a twist in the road. You know, this week, we hope you are able to see God's good hand of guidance to recognize God's faithfulness in whatever circumstance you may be facing. And until our next time together, may you continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America and outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.